This edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Marketplace Rock, guiding leaders to higher ground. Learn more at MarketplaceRock.com. Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, co-founder and co-host. Here's this week's interview by my partner, John Ramstead. All right, welcome to Eternal Leadership. We're so glad to have everybody tuning in today across the world and uh, just excited about the recent news about being written up in Inc. Magazine about one of the top 12 podcasts to listen to develop your leadership. And and once again, my thanks goes out to everybody out there listening and supporting us. It's always been our goal to, to have a faith-based a podcast on leadership you know, in iTunes Top 100 and getting some press out there. And so you guys are all a part of that. And I would love to hear from, from everybody out there. If you would uh, shoot me an email and just let me know anything we can do to bring on the podcast to talk about that would just serve you even further. Uh, just email me at john at eternalleadership.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. I'll answer all those emails personally. And today we welcome on Cash Matthews. Cash, welcome to the podcast. John, good morning or good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. Now you're a Texan. You're from Austin, and uh, well, I'm I am what they call a hybrid. I'm from Oklahoma, and uh, I live in Texas. So I, I, that makes me ultimately conflicted with all the uh, Oklahoma versus Texas sports here. But uh, <laughs> yeah. so for today, I'm an Oklahoman living in Texas. Well, they're rabid about their sports down there, aren't they? Indeed, they are, uh, and it's it's kind of fun to watch it all. Well, you know, uh, you guys are going to love this conversation with Cash. We actually had this conversation before. It's one of the only podcasts in two and a half years that actually didn't record. So there's a reason, Cash, that you and I are talking today. I, I know that for a fact. And what you're doing now, you're a financial advisor. Um, you're the author of Financial Meatloaf, Money University, and Solomon's Way. And I love that term, financial meatloaf. We're going to dive into that. And something really cool about you, 2006 inductee into the National BMX Hall of Fame. And uh, you're, you're a father. you got two great girls. You've been married for 25 years. So uh, I'd love for maybe you to start and just you know, share a little bit about you know, some of the just kind of highlights along this interesting journey you've had. Well, it starts you know, with having a name like Cash. And my <laughs> father, father was in the grocery business and named his two boys Cash and Carrie. And in my little small town of 20,000 people, that was always kind of a funny local joke. I never knew why it was funny. But as I got older, I certainly uh, began to appreciate the name my father gave me. And uh, so that I ended up in the financial business. And my brother actually carries people. He's a pilot. So Cash and Carrie turned out to be fortuitous to a great degree. So just starting with my name, you know, what a what a great, funny thing to have happen. Often I have to show people my driver's license. They think I, they, they think it's a, a stage name or something that, you know, only a financial guy with the name of Cash would, would have to have changed it. <laughs> so it, it gave me this disposition. Uh, God also blessed me. I, I love numbers and I love mathematics. I could always count as a little kid and just numbers sort of show up in my brain, I guess, on some level. Uh, not many of your listeners will relate to that, but some will. And so math has always, you know, been a good portion uh, of, of something I've enjoyed. Uh, I didn't really like math class, but I loved mathematics and how numbers come together. And um, so I guess I was, you know, predisposed ultimately to this industry. Uh, you know, as a young man, I, I wanted to emulate my uncle, who was a famous motorcycle racer. 
and uh, couldn't afford a motorcycle, nor would my parents let me have one if we could have. And I began to ride and race bicycles in the very, very early days of BMX racing and built a nice career there for which I got some neat recognition. Uh, but ultimately, in the in the real world, you know, uh, it's enjoyable to have that in my past. And it sort of created a fabric for my life. And very often, you know, I get to speak to people because of bicycles, but I get to share my testimony, my business. And so, you know, they always said, ride a bicycle, it will take you places. And surely today at the age of 55, you know, that, that little bicycle, um, man, not being able to get a motorcycle, you know, that no that I got as a kid led to so many other yeses that were impactful. And I'm, and I'm so thankful for the way that it occurred. And been in the financial business since, uh, you know, early 1980s when I was around 20 years old. I first discovered that it existed. And here I am 30 plus years later. And, man, I love being in it. I, I am so excited to be part of an industry that really can help people if they do the right thing. Yeah, and I know you're doing a lot of that. And I want to circle back. When you said it became a fabric for your life, what kind of fabric was that, Cash? Well, it gave me a conversational point with many people as an adult. Um, I was in a real estate meeting for a large real estate deal with a client, and people were there from a major real estate firm. And one of the fellows said, you know, I don't mean to interrupt this meeting, but by chance, are you the same cash that was on the Mongoose BMX racing team in the 70s? And this is in the middle of a, you know, $70 million deal. And I went, well, yeah, that, that was me. And it kind of freaked me out. And he said, oh, that's so funny. I, you know, had your poster on my wall. And, you know, this guy reverted from a 55-year-old multimillionaire business guy to a kid riding a BMX bike. So it, it's given me context with a, a big peer group today that's that's really unusual. And, and I'm thankful for it. Man, I'm so glad that I couldn't afford a motorcycle, that I got on a bicycle. Many of my friends today uh, from around the country, from around the world, really, uh, I met on a bicycle. And so that that fabric part of that is my friendship base that I continue today. Uh, today, I'm the one of the directors of the National BMX Hall of Fame and the Pioneer Committee, and I've also been fortunate to be the MC of the National Induction Event, where we pick out the uh, the Hall of Fame uh, inductees for the year, as well as uh, announce the U.S. Olympic cycling team. So, what a what a great honor it has been. You know, something I did a long time ago, still bringing value today, some 40 years later. And, and also, what a great lesson you learned, too, is, right, you were focused on getting a motorcycle. The answer was no. So you had to go down a completely different path. And, you know, are there other times in your life where the same thing has happened? Because sometimes when we're, we kind of have our heart set on a goal, especially, you know, in business, right, and it, it gets blocked or it gets stopped, right? right? Well, it, can, uh, it, it can get us to a place of being stuck, and that's not a good amen. place to be. And I think Garth Brooks, another Oklahoman, said it the best. Uh, one of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Mm. And, you know, whether it's not, you know, breaking up with your high school girlfriend and finally meeting, you know, the now the my wife of 25 years. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, those are the times where you, you struggle. And, you know, God tells us to consider it pure joy when you face those trials. They make you stronger. And, you know, I, I don't know where I would be if I'd obtained a motorcycle as a kid, but I'm, I'm really glad where I am. And so I, I don't think too much about where I could have been else. Uh, I'm liking this spot pretty well. <laughs> 
Well, I, I love that. Well, you know, I want to think about something too. You know, as you've gone through, I know you've developed a very successful financial practice and you're a very successful business owner. And I could just tell in your voice how important, you know, your uh, relationship with your wife is. And I know you just talk, you just kind of light up when you talk about your daughters. You know, what did it take to really kind of keep that balance to, you know, to keep the important things important as you went through your business career, Cash? Well, that's a, a wonderful question. And I think anybody that maybe is an entrepreneur asks that question probably daily. So, John, thank you for asking that. You know, keeping balance in your marriage and your life and your business and your relationship with God and your health, you know, it's difficult at times and we get tunnel vision and you know, I've, I've had to remember that uh, for a time such as this, you know, I've been given this career, but I also was given this wife and this family. Uh, I also know that, you, you know, there are seasons in life where we have to buckle down and, and get something done or recover from something. And, you know, as we were building a business, I, I've never drawn a line. A lot of people say I'm God first, family second, and business third. Mm -hmm. And I probably have a little more skewed definition because... I, I do. I praise God. But I also don't draw a line and go, OK, God's over here in the two spot now that I'm in business or in the three spot now that I'm with my family. God is in my family. He's in my business. He's in my recreation. He's in my health. Uh, the past year, I've, I've lost 64 pounds. Wow. Trying to be, Congratulations. Trying to be, it's, it's been really awesome. And I give all the praise to God. I, I pray before I work out. You know, he is in everything I do. And I don't have a way to separate him, um, you know, and that's kind of what being married is. You can't separate one from the other. And so my wife is behind me in my business completely uh, for the good and fortunately for the bad. Not all businesses go, you know, if you want to see God laugh, show him your plans. And so <laughs> yeah. my wife has been there every single step of the way. And, uh, you know, uh, usually in spite of, of my demeanor when you're in a tough time. So I... As I plan my life and my business uh, to the best of my ability, I, I have to consider my family, you know, the impact. My oldest daughter is 17. Uh, these times that we spend together right now, uh, we'll, I'm never going to get them back. And it doesn't matter how much money you make because you, you can't buy time with your kids back. And that's, you know, one I, I wanted to give up the time a little more in my career, work a little harder while my children were very young. Uh, but now that my oldest is 17, my youngest is eight, I just want to be there for everything. And, uh, you know, that that for me, for this guy, is the truest definition of, of wealth. And I, there's no dollar sign. It's just time and access. And, and I'm glad to have that with my family. You know, as you, as you went through this and you, and you developed this integration between really kind of your your faith and how that everything's flowing from that. Were there times where it was segmented or was there kind of a point where you realize, wow, this, you know, this isn't working and I, and I kind of need to move toward kind of where you're at now? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, multiple times. My career's 30 plus years and there have been times when I've been focused, more focused on my career than I was my relationship with my wife or even my relationship with God, where you're really just poured into it. Um, but that added importance to my downtime, especially my time away. You know, when you're poured into something, you really need that time. Uh, a lot of people get 
the recovery phase wrong, but for me, a vacation was a necessity, not an objective. And so I would pour into business and I didn't mind working, you know, six long days a week. I wanted to, I wanted to get something accomplished and I always felt like if I could get focused on something, you know, often I would focus less on my wife. Um, but now that my kids are grown up, um, you know, a year ago I had a revelation that how you do anything is how you'll do everything. And I really felt like I had to ultimately create uh, that balance in all the areas of my life. And that's when I decided to become healthier. And I just felt like if I paid attention to it, um, that would surely happen. Well, I love that statement. How you do anything is how you do everything. And there's a great book. I think it's by Chuck Swindoll. It's called Living Above the Level of Mediocrity Cash. And what he talks about in that book is whatever that lowest level is, right? Maybe you're excellent at business when you're showing up and working, but at home you're struggling with your, you know, your wife and your kids. Your overall life is never going to rise above that level of mediocrity that you have in that one area of your life. Maybe it's your faith walk. Maybe it's how you deal with people. But, you know, that that's some of those things that we need to do as, as, as leaders. You know, there's this whole common think right now of start with why. And I, that is very important to understand our why, our, you know, what we're called to do and our purpose. But I think that really misses a foundational step. I think we need to really start with who, and that's who we are. And really looking internally at, you know, how we show up, what our values are, what our passions, what our strengths are, you know, really what we want to be known for. Um, one of the powerful exercises I went to recovering from my accident was writing my obituary and being very specific, you know, because I, I should have died a few years ago. And what is it that I would have, you know, that I would have want or that I do want my wife to say? You know, I'm not going to show her what I've actually written. I want to live my life so that is the experience that she has with me. And what do I want my kids to say? And and then how do I, in, in my coworkers and friends and colleagues, and then how do I live a life that brings all those talents, skills, passions, and values into the world, into those relationships? So I'm really glad you brought that up. Well, I... Uh... You know, I've had a few scrapes with life myself, and you know, I don't, I, I don't want to be known in the who's who in business and get home and have my kids go, "Hey, who's he?" You know, I that's uh, there are just some values that are non-negotiable, and I do want my kids to know me. Um, I hope my kids don't listen to this because I have a secret. I send my kids an email just about every day or every other day to a secret email address I sent set up uh, that they'll never get until I have left this earth or unless they sneak in and discover it. But, uh, you know, I just try to share my wisdom with them and I try to imagine them as adults. And then I write to them every day. So in my brain, you know, I'll be 137 when I pass away. So my kids will be like 104, but they'll finally get to open all those emails and see what made their dad tick. What a beautiful idea, Cash. I just wrote that down and circled it. Um, that's something I've not been doing, but actually been thinking about, right? How do you really sow into your kids after you're gone? What a what a beautiful gift that's going to be. I hope so. I mean, and I hope it's not soon, but, you know, just in <laughs> case my wife has the password. So <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, you know, in your background, um, in, in your name, Cash, and you're in financial services, 
Um, you know, a lot of our audience, you know, these are all, you know, business owners, people starting to start a company. And I sense often, I'd love your take on this, right? There's, there's an understanding of what money is, how it works, how it, you know, what, what its role is in God's kingdom here on earth. And I would love for your, your, just your thoughts in that area, Cash. Well, as we've seen, money is one of the things people first worry over. Often when they are entrepreneurial, they're working for it. I loved your comment on, you know, establish your why before you do anything. And, you know, money is just a tool, John. It, it is it is very, very simply a tool that we do good things with. Sometimes money is a tool people do bad things with. But for me, money is a tool to do good things with. I mean, it, it can do bad things, but it can build schools and churches and provide medical care and assistance in many, many ways. So, you know, as we work, we have to understand what money is and what money isn't. It's not a social um, status. I, I don't know. I've always just seen it as a tool, kind of like a hammer. And I may have more hammers than you, but, um, you know, end of the day, uh, money's a tool that God gives us. But he also gives us some fairly specific rules on how to use it and some ideas. And uh, what's, I love the Proverbs in that, uh, you know, it always will say that a fool does this, but a wise person does this. Actually, I got that backwards. And I, I think we're called to do well with money. And I, I don't believe we're called to poverty. I've never believed that. And, you know, here in the United States, particularly, our impoverished people would be the wealthy in so many other countries. And so I think we have to have this clarification to ourselves first. We already are wealthy. You know, if you're making just a little bit of money, if you're making minimum wage in the country, uh, it's not that, you know, you need to rise to the highest levels of income. You're already there uh, worldwide if you have a global view. And I, I think our thoughts on money are very skewed by the media, uh, somewhat by, you know, envy and greed. But money is a tool. John, and we can use it to do wonderful things with, but most people have confused it and, uh, and, and there's a lot of negative associated with it. Well, you know, and a lot of, you know, believers quote the scripture, I can't serve God and mammon, but you can't also have a, you know, a successful company if you're not profitable. And how do you help people reconcile kind of a lot of the thing that's in Christian circles? Because, you know, there's a lot of secular businesses, secular secular leaders that are influencing culture um, big time right now. And, you know, what, what, kind of the way I love what Lance Wallnow says, right? We The world doesn't need another broke philanthropist. Uh, but I think, you know, getting the right context around, you know, the profit motive and, and why it's important to have a, you know, a successful business or it's okay to to have that as one of your goals and what you're doing. Uh, but I, I, a lot of people struggle with that. Have you seen that? A absolutely. And certainly in the what I'll just call the religious world of you know, different thoughts on money. And the Bible does seem to have a little bit of a conflict. You know, how can you serve God or how can you serve money in God? And, uh, you know, God also says, how long will you lie there, you sluggard? And, you know, don't sleep so much and get up or a bandit will come and rob you. You know, we're called to work hard. And at the end of that, you know, all good work brings a profit. That's biblical. And, 
you know, I think some people enjoy telling people that, you know, you make too much money, bad things are going to happen. I've seen it both ways, but I've seen it more often that you make too little money. And see, the problem here isn't in our country isn't that we don't make enough. Uh, We make plenty in our lifetime. We make plenty of money. It's just that we use it wrong. And so I don't believe it makes me any more holy or any more religious or any more saved to be in debt. I don't believe it makes me any closer to God to, to waste money. And, you know, good financial life can absolutely coincide with every single part of the Bible. I believe it makes you a better giver. I believe it makes you more compassionate. And those are the things our world needs right now. Uh, just more people who love one another. But when you suffer under money, um, and the problem in this country is we are suffering. Uh, that, that we can quantify. We can quantify the suffering in this country. You know, life has a scoreboard. People may not like to keep score, but life has a scoreboard from the time you stop working till the time you die is kind of called the retirement years, and we're not doing so great. And nobody really has begun to, uh, to awaken to the idea that everybody should be okay. I don't believe that this guy should be poor and that guy should be rich. I think we all lift each other up. A rising tide lifts all boats. So the, the idea that it's wrong to do well financially, I disagree with it completely. You may have listeners who disagree with me completely. That's cool. Um, I, I just think we're called in the Bible to do well financially. And yes, there are things about the love and the serving money. Uh, I don't believe that's the same thing as having a prudent financial life and having a good investment life and having a solid retirement. Uh, I'm called to leave my children's children an inheritance. Um, and that, that can come in many shapes. I'm called to help the church. Uh, we are called to help the poor and the infirmed. If you want to know where health care should come from, the Bible says we are to help the widowed, the orphans, and the infirmed. So, you know, we're, we're called, at least I'm called in this particular way to go help people with their money because it's confusing. I know at my church, uh, they ask for money before they give us the message. And I say that, you know, kind of smiling, but, you know, money's an important topic. And until we address it individually in our own unique way, for three out of four people, it's always a problem all of their life. And I believe that's a cultural problem, not some lack of blessing from the Almighty God. Mm, what, what makes it a problem for so many people? Well, uh, being old is not easy. It is not for sissies. Retirement is not for sissies. And we have way too many people hitting the retirement age of 65 or 70, and they simply don't have enough money to live. Uh, You know, the government reported a couple years ago that three out of four people live at or below the nation's stated poverty line, which is around 24,000 a year. And if you consider that things are getting more and more expensive as we go through life, and our income seem to be shrinking somewhat. I mean, the problem is a dependent class of people who are, you know, dependent largely on this thing called social security, or as we call it, social insecurity. Mm-hmm. And we have people struggling, and they don't need to. It, it, it's that is a needless struggle, borne by people who didn't plan. And so, my role in life is to get seventy or eighty year old you to talk to 30 or 40 year old you and and let that person be your financial advisor. 70 year old you, 80 year old you is the greatest financial advisor in the world. They'll tell you, save more money, take better care of your teeth, they will all tell you. Um, 
So that, that to me, that's what wisdom is, is, is being able to see down the road a little bit. Well, and I think you touched on it too, right? When, you, you know, you can't serve God and money. I totally agree with that. But what if, you know, making money serves what God has called you to do, right? First of all, to be debt-free, to serve, you know, to to be able to bless others, to take care of, you know, your kids and your grandkids, right, which is biblical. Right. But if you've been called, you know, to serve, you know, to do mission trips or even in the local community or just be able to have the time as your kids are adults to have with them, Right. I, I think, you know, we have to focus on, especially as entrepreneurs and business owners, on developing a company that delivers that value that makes us, you know, a sustainable business that's profitable. Uh, because also in kind of this marketplace sphere, so to speak, this mountain of the marketplace, what gives us credibility to really connect and I think so into the lives of other people that typically would never step into a church they're not going to go to a Bible study, but being also successful in being good at what you do, right? You talked about, um, you know, uh, uh, you know what you do every day. You know how you do something every day is how you're going to do everything, right? You know, people are watching us. I just met a couple yesterday, and uh, at the baseball game, my son's baseball game, and uh, they uh, mentioned the name of a good friend of mine. And I'm like, oh yeah, he's he's awesome. He's like, yeah, he he. Uh, he led us to the Lord uh, a month ago. I'm like, well, tell me, I want to hear the story. Well, this guy was a building contractor. And uh, the other guy was, uh, my friend is a general contractor. He always saw what he did, how he ran his business, how he got through the good times and the, the bad, how he led his people, uh, how he always, how he always got through these really tough times with grace and he said, you know what, there's just something about this guy. First of all, the excellence in how he was running his business drew him in. But then also he could tell there was something special about this guy that he had that was, you know, on display with his marriage and his relationship with his kids that prompted him to ask him just, hey, what is going on with you? There's something special about you and I can't put my finger on it. And that started a whole conversation that led him and his wife and his whole family into the kingdom. And I think wow. that that is, you know, a, a powerful example that I just was reminded of yesterday, which really made an impact on me. I, you know, that's um, I, the statement of how you do anything is how you do everything. And I think people, you know, we have to be Jesus to some of these folks out there who, who don't know. And we can do that. I, I've always felt like I've been in the ministry my whole career, just in a different aspect of it. If we're living our life the right way, um, man, I, I think that has the right impact on people. You know, I've, I've been told often, what you do speaks so loudly, I cannot hear what you say. Mm -hmm. And the example of the builder you mentioned, what a great example of a godly man living his life in a particular way that others would be attracted to it. I, I, I think that's that's a wonderful story. Yeah, and, you know, it's a powerful witness. And so... You know, you know, kind of on this subject, you know, you work with so many people across the spectrum, right? And I know your focus is on, you know, their their financial health. And I know that you're that same kind of witness to the people you work with. Um, you know, as you think of people, you know, there, what are some of the common things, maybe a couple, 
you know, things that you would just love to, you know, as you get a room that you just love to teach people or share with them, maybe some common mistakes or things that, you know, things that you know that uh, can can just help move the needle on just how they think about this whole area of their life. Wow, there, there's so much of it. Um, and I could go rapid fire for about three hours on this one. I'll, I'll give you a few. Okay, lightning believe, round, ready? <laughs> lightning round. I, there are a few things that I believe that we must do as good financial stewards. And I'm just going off of memory here. But number one is quit overpaying your taxes every year. The government reports on irs.gov that about 86% of Americans overpay their taxes, an average of $3,100 a year. They call it a tax refund. We glorify it in commercials. But really, where else in the world, anywhere in the world, is it a good idea to overpay a bill that is not due? If we describe that as any other bill, hey, I overpaid my phone bill, $3,100 last year, but they sent it back to me in April. We would think that person was insane. And they sent it back with no interest. With no interest, right. Meanwhile, we're struggling to tithe or pay our bills or eat or save because we're lending our money to the government. And we start out rolling down the wrong side of the hill. And we're just always trying to climb back up. That's the first thing. Quit getting a tax refund. Number two, get your will done. Um, Multiple sources report that over 60% of the adults in this country don't have a will. And it's easy to do. It's also, unfortunately, easy not to do. So that's where that excellence level comes in. Easy to do, easy not to do. You know, you just have to make that choice. Um, You know, I I love to talk to people about easy things, how to get out of debt. Um, You know, and I categorize it maybe a little different than some of the other Christian financial planners. I believe mortgage debt is okay. My church has a mortgage. uh, But I believe about everything else is bad debt. Uh, Some of the car loans at 1% and 2% are probably a fairly efficient use of money. But if you're not a good saver, debt's just a bad idea. Um, You know, we we absolutely have to get everybody out of debt. And debt comes in a multitude of forms. Uh, You know, the the IRS is a form of debt. Uh, JCPenney's or whatever credit card is out there is a form of debt. Uh, I believe mortgage debt is okay if responsibly managed. But if you're not responsible with money, with money, uh, a debt-free lifestyle is, is more your liking. And I want you to think about this, John. Think of the number of people listening to this show around the world that are right now today spending more money on their cell phone and internet than they are themselves. Man, that is maddening. So we, we don't have a financial problem. We have a priority problem with literally millions of people spending more money on electronics than they do themselves. And that just makes me crazy. And so in my book, we call that the stupid test. And I don't mean to be offensive, but you know, when you're a lifeguard, they don't teach you to swim out and tap people on the shoulder and compliment how they look. They teach you to swim out, grab them in the chokehold, swim them back, beat them on the chest and breathe life into them. Mm -hmm. So as a financial lifeguard, I've got to ask people, You know, what are you thinking? If you're spending more money on your cell phone and more money on the Internet and throw cable TV in there than you are yourself in your future, there's a bigger problem there than those problems perceived by those who think, you know, we're bad off for creating wealth. Um, I don't care if we create wealth so much, but I would like to eliminate craziness and see where all the chips fall. Well, you know, that gets back to your priorities and understanding your why and who you are and what you want to be known for. And, 
you know, it's pretty it's pretty sobering sometimes to actually just go through what you've spent the money on just in the last 90 days, eating out, right. cell phone, cable, whatever it happens to be, and just say, is any of that money that you're spending in alignment with what you say in your Bible study with what your priorities are? Does that make sense? Right. It, it does, absolutely. And I, just, I think when people wake up to the yeah. idea, so the average American, to me, that I get to see, now I'm fortunate, I see all the way from wealthy folks to not so wealthy folks, and I like to call them uh, folks that aren't wealthy yet, but will be hopefully soon. And they, they have common characteristic. They overpay their taxes. Uh, they live on credit. They don't have a savings ethic, an ethos about saving. And, and you know, that's, that's difficult um, to have people that just don't, that just don't have the ethic of saving. Uh, most people brush their teeth every day because it's a habit. When we make saving money a habit, just like we do brushing our teeth or eating or any of the other things we do on a regular basis. Hey, we change our oil every 3,000 miles. How about making a contribution to your IRA every 3,000 miles? That would be a good one. So it, it's about habits. First in life, we form our habits, and then our habits form our outcome. And so one of the things I do is just try to get people to create a habit. And they say you can create a habit in 90 days. I don't personally believe that. For me, it's been about two years to create a good habit, one that you don't have to consciously think about. But the, the problems that we face are very, very similar. Um, in older age, one of the things I see as a problem for many people, uh, we call the baby boom trap. A lot of 50 to 65-year-old people whose parents are still living but in assisted living facilities, and they hadn't, haven't prepared for that. Um, so a multitude of things. There's a general malaise across our country financially, and it is because of knowledge and access. And, you know, the larger brokerage institutions don't really cater, you know, to the middle or lower income so much. And I, I believe that's the place we need to cater. That's the place we need to put our efforts to the average moms and dads out there like me like yourself that just want a shot. They just want the information. And and hopefully Financial Meatloaf and Money University is at least some of that story. And there are a lot of other great teachings out there. If you love those, great. If you like mine, great. Um, I, you know, I just want to leave a footprint that I was here with my work. And if we can help people be better off financially, get out of debt, save more, have more, be more, live your dream better. Uh, to me, that's... Uh, I don't know. That's a high use of the time that God has given me here. Now, uh, Cash, what does financial meatloaf mean? Well, financial meatloaf, uh, the tagline is a simple recipe for financial success. And as you research books, I mean, there are about a thousand books out there in the money world, and they all have kind of the same titles. And I'm just a guy that likes to be different. Starting out, my name is different. Um, I, I like for people to ask me that question, why financial meatloaf? Um, honestly, I love meatloaf. I do too, man. And, I'm with you. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I, I was torn between financial meatloaf and financial baked potato or French fries, but you know, meatloaf is just Americana. It's, it's middle America. It's scrapping something together to make a meal, uh, scrapping your resources together, uh, to make something delicious. And, you know, for me, it just epitomizes the kind of recipe that most people can do, either in the kitchen or in their investment world. Uh, just really basic, 
little tiny things that I that I believe will make all the difference over the course of a lifetime. So Financial Meatloaf is a free book also at financialmeatloaf.com. Easy to find and it's got a free download. And we'll try to continue the educational process through there. I like to educate people. Uh, there's not a product that comes through there. I just want to educate you. Uh, last week, we sent out the National Geographic article. This baby will live to age 120. Uh, the week before, we sent out the Atlantic magazine cover article. 48% of the adults in this country could not scrape together $400 in cash for an emergency. See, these are the things that politicians need to be talking about, but they aren't. They're too busy beating each other up. I wanted to kind of reach into people's lives and love on them a little bit and say, hey, there's a problem. You can fix it. And when you do, you'll be so glad you did. Everything is fixable. Well, now, did you say what what number of people can't even come up with a $400 emergency fund? The Atlantic magazine said 48% of the adults in this country could not come up with $400 in cash in an emergency. Wow. So question for you. I mean, you know, I was a financial planner for, you know, uh, almost a decade. And so the subject is very near and dear to my heart. But what do you think the reason is when there's so much good information and, and equipping, just like you're doing, I really encourage everybody to go to financialmeatloaf.com, get smart on this stuff. The, I mean, this is an area with a few changes actually can, I mean, significantly move the needles in people's lives uh, in a really positive way. But what is the reason you think people, A, don't reach out to get the knowledge they need, and then B, apply that knowledge and actually make some changes? Well, this will sound funny, but, you know, it goes back to the everything that's easy to do is easy not to do. You know, one of the easiest things for me to do is get up and walk around the block. One of the easiest things not to do is get up and take a walk around the block. And often we just think we're doing okay because there's little pain associated with being on the path to broke. You don't feel the pain. I like to tell the story. A guy jumps off of a 30-story building halfway down. Somebody yells out, hey, how's it going? And he says, so far, so good. See, we don't feel the pain till the ending. The, the crash at the bottom is what kills you, not jumping off the building. And we don't recognize that we are in a tenuous situation. You know, that one day we just, it's the invincibility. Of course, men are all great and macho and we just think we're invincible. We'll work till we die and everything's gonna be okay. But hope is, a, is not a very good financial plan. Hope is not a plan. And people don't take advantage of it. You know, every time I've met somebody that's lost weight, it's never been a secret. They're like, wow, I ate better. I exercised a little more and I got a little bit more sleep and drank a little more water. You know, really? Oh, wow. That, yeah, I just lost 64 pounds doing that. Um, wealth is about using time and money. And, you know, we talk to people a lot when they come in. I'm like, hey, don't go in debt. Save 10%. And they're like, really? I was here for the secret bullet. And I'm like, there isn't one. That's it. One day, one day, whoever's listening to this, one day, it is a certainty your income will shut off. In the traditional work world, your economic engine that we call income will slow down and you'll shift over to the economic engine we call your retirement accounts. It's an inevitability. One day, your clock will turn off. The death rate in America is still hovering right at 100%. So these are things that need to be dealt with. 
And we have a tendency to stick our head in the sand and the as soon as, as soon as I get the kids out of school, as soon as I get college paid off, as soon as I get this, as soon as, as soon as, and they never get around to doing it. And they ignore the one gift that God gives everybody on the planet equally, and that is time wealth. It's the amount of time God has given you, and we waste it. Retirement is a long-term problem that we try to solve with short-term behavior. I believe we should start baby retirement accounts. In my office, we call it the bra, just to be funny. It's why we call the book Financial Meatloaf. We call one of our retirement strategies the bra. Hey, how am I different than other financial advisors? It's my bra. And I mean it to be funny. I want to wake people up that, hey, there's a better way. Let's, instead of having a baby shower, let's go put two, $3,000 away for that baby somewhere that at their retirement, you know, a baby born today probably won't retire until 80, but at their age 80, they've got, you know, enough money. So we don't take advantage of it. It's not a lack of knowing. It's a lack of doing. That lack of doing comes from shame. They don't want to reveal to a guy like me or some other great advisor out there in the world that they're struggling. Uh, They think they don't have enough money to get started. So in Financial Meatloaf, I put a deal, hey, save a dollar right now. Don't go to the next chapter. Take a dollar, put it in a jar, shoot a picture of it and email it to me so I can know around the world we've had at least a dollar's worth of impact. And then the next time you pay yourself to make the bed, every time you make the bed, put a buck away. Uh, When you go out to eat at a restaurant, don't get Cokes. Go ahead and eat. Take your family out for that great social time. But drink water. Come home. Put $12 in your account. Begin to have a savings ethic. Teach your children that savings ethic. Hey, kids, today it's water, but we're putting this $12 away for something big in the future. And we we just don't recognize the value of a little bit of money over a long period of time. But I promise you, the mathematics uh, really do support that we should save a little bit of money over a long period of time. And besides, John, think about this. If you can't live on 90% of your money right now, how will you live on 30% of your money later? And we have to answer that question. Well, see, that's one of those questions that's just easy to avoid because the pain of staying the same does not exceed the pain of changing yet. And I think, you know, putting ourselves into that future self and saying, what is that going to look like? And what do I want to create for myself? You know, and then, you know, building, you know, having a career, putting that money aside. Like for Don and I, you know, two years ago, we went through a a financial sozo seminar at our church. And we made a commitment two years ago to get debt free. Um, outside of our mortgage, cars, credit cards, lines of credit, because we had racked up a lot of debt through this accident. Not, I had zero income almost for a very long time. And as of two months ago, cash, we are completely debt-free. And uh, I got to tell you, you know, it took a lot of sacrifices, but it, it we had to change some habits. And kind of how I think about that is, right, the habits lead from actions that we take. The, the action that we take leads from how we feel about something, and our feelings about something is guided by how we think about it. So, you know, to change a habit, we just have to go through a process and identify those things, right? What do you really, you know, how do you think, feel, and behave 
you know, financially or, you know, even a relationship, anything else. And that is then, and then those actions that are repeated then actually builds a new habit. And that's, that's the process we had to go through and the impact, what it saved us just monthly by getting rid of all the, the payments that we had is, you know, in, you know, thousands of dollars a month extra that now we can put into savings, we can give it away, we can, you know, bless the kids because we have, uh, one kid as sophomore in college and another one going in next year. We want to be part of, you know, helping them to the extent that we can. Uh, but we did tell them, Cash, that our priority is saving for our retirement. And then outside right. of that, you know, we will help you to the extent that we can. But, you know, we're we're not going to carry any of this debt for you. Amen. I, I agree with that. You know, when you're on an airplane, they tell you if the little oxygen masks come down to take care of yourself first and the kids later. And I, I believe that's true with your money as well. The best thing that we can do as adults for our kids is not be dependent upon them later in life. And I, I don't think that's a great financial plan. I want my kids to flourish and not have to worry about me. And at least for me, that's uh, I don't that's not the financial plan I'm choosing. And by the way, John, congratulations on being debt free. What an accomplishment. I know you must feel so just relieved and just you can just exhale when you don't have that debt. I've seen it, been fortunate to be with so many people. And I love writing out that last check here in my office or going online and helping somebody. And then we go grab a lunch and go, man, congratulations. You're debt free. And, uh, you know, what a a feeling that must have been for you and Donna to have accomplished that. And I I can't tell you how proud I am. And, And thanks for sharing that story. Because you've been a successful guy, and from the outside looking in, many of your listeners may not be able to relate to a fellow like you. Going, wow, he had he carried some debt. You know what? What a what a humbling thing to say, and, and a great way to share your own testimony around the world. That you know what, man, debt is something that sneaks up on everybody. You know, in some unsuspecting way. So, uh, really proud of you for doing that. That is tremendous. Um, you know, that's that that's a great testimony for all of your listeners. And I, and I think if your listeners could just imagine, you know, what that would be like for a minute, what would it be like for you if you had no debt payments? Maybe maybe your mortgage. I, I like the mortgage, low interest and tax deductible. Um, what, what would it be like if you had no debt obligations? Man, that uh, wouldn't that reduce the political conflict if we were all doing OK financially? Uh, you know, I believe politics is a function of money. And or a good good portion of it is there are social issues as well, but a lot of it's money, insurance, social security, taxes, you know, uh, many of the things have a dollar sign in front of it. But imagine individually how we all might feel if we didn't have the burden of debt. Imagine how we all might feel if we had ample amount of actual liquid cash reserves. What would that be like? And I believe it's possible. And I believe everybody should start literally right now. Grab a buck, put it in a jar, shoot me an email or John or somebody that you're on the savings path. I, I love that ethic of saving money, of being a saver. Well, and think about that. A lot of our habits, you know, those thoughts, feelings, actions, habits that you were talking about, especially when we do have financial pressures and stress or uh, whether they're, I mean, very real at times. So I'm not discounting that. Sometimes they're perceived but that drives us to make decisions where a lot of times we're, uh, well, maybe I just speak about my my own experience, right? In the past, I made a lot of decisions based on very short term, you know, what this could do, or can I make more money, or things like that. 
And when I was in that mode, I was not bringing myself, God, into that, um, those decisions very often. And that was really prior to my accident. So, yeah, at 45 years old, because of the accident financially, everything that we had saved cash was wiped out except for a, a little bit of money that was in our IRA, uh, uh, an IRA. And so we've had to rebuild. So, you know, the encouraging thing to tell everybody is even with not a lot of cash flow, even with a lot of things that just feel like they're stacked against you, there there is a way forward. And that's why I love that you you know you shared financialmeatloaf.com cash and people can plug in and just get educated. And you know, as we wrap up, maybe what are just a final couple thoughts to leave with folks? Well, I think if I could leave just one thing with anybody listening, would be the concept that your success really is in your hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, assuming a, a, a kind of an average family environment or a single, it does, doesn't matter, um, that you don't want the government to be your success story. Uh, that's not a great witness to bear out there in the world, that it really is up to you. Um, John, I honestly believe that we could divide all of this political hubbub away. Uh, you know, I, I've come to realize, and I deeply believe, that people on both sides of the aisle, left and right, conservative and liberal, I believe we all want the same things for our family. Um, so I, I have friends from all over the spectrum and I love them all and they're all courageous and wonderful. But we all want the same kind of things. And as, especially where the money items are concerned, there is a group of people in America that has better access to those things and that information. And there's a group of people that doesn't have as much access my career is about giving people access to as much information as I can provide them. And I think once you give people the tools to succeed, the real tools, you know, we don't need a raise in the minimum wage. We need a raise in the minimum aptitude. And once we have a raise in the minimum aptitude, man, things begin to change when we have a better aptitude. I have a mentally retarded client, slightly uh, incapacitated, who's always worked for slightly above minimum wage, but has always been a saver since the age of 18 instilled upon him by his aunt. Today at the age of 46, his house is paid off, his car is paid off, and he has nearly half a million dollars in the bank from continuous, diligent saving of money. And if, if he can do it, anybody can do it. So it's not about being having the right pedigree or the right college degree or getting lucky or even being discriminated against. Money and money principles work for anybody constantly 24 seven and the way we've been going about it isn't right. And that one thing I would tell people is to just try, just to take a step and open your eyes and go, man, is there something better that I can do? If you're already wealthy, get wealthier uh, so we can share more money with people. And, and if you're on your way, man, just remember how you got there. Uh, we are called to love one another uh, the greatest of these is love. Money is a tool to help spread uh, God's word. It's it's a tool to help spread, you know, just the kingdom. And and I'm I'm thrilled to work with money. Uh, you know, I, God worked my life out just right. If He should take me home today, you know, He got it just right with me. Not that I haven't had problems. I have, and not that I haven't had struggles. I surely have many of them public. But I have a great family. I have a great eternity. And I get to play with money and I get to talk about it. 
And I think the one thing I've got, I've walked down the road with so many people that started with me when they were 50 and now they're 70, 75. And I know what that looks like. And I know what's waiting for most people. And I am the alarm clock without a snooze button. And I just want to wake people up. So if financialmeatloaf.com can help you, man, what a blessing for me. It's free. There's nothing to buy. And we'd love to have people download the book. Our goal and I don't know how to hit it. Our goal is to give away a million of them this year. I don't have a clue how to hit that goal, but I bet somebody out in your listening world could figure it out. So, John, th- thank you for letting me share these words. Oh, man, thank you for sharing. This is a very important topic, and um, you're welcome back on any time. And, and uh, is there a, a way for people to get in touch with you, or is just going to financialmeatloaf.com the best way for them to get Financialmeatloaf.com is the easiest because we can get email there. Uh, I would love to be Facebook requested. Cash Matthews with two T's. Send me a message first. I get a lot of, you know, hey, I, I'm a friend of John Ramstead, and uh, maybe message me that way. Um, and our email is cash at Solomon Way, Solomon's all O's, Solomon Way, W-A-Y, cash at Solomon Way. Love to hear your comments. Uh, You know, inevitably when you're on a radio show, uh, people will disagree with you. That's cool. Uh, Happy to hear those as well. I know this, we're all in this together and we're all, you know, kind of headed towards the same eternity. But while we're here, the money thing shouldn't be as big a problem as it is. And man, if I can help, if I can help alleviate some of that stress, awesome and if not man find somebody get a coach get somebody get another set of eyes get an accountability partner get with your significant other and go you know what let's get this right let's get this right this year let's get started Uh, one of the keys to building a habit is getting started and you can decide today that this is the last moment you're gonna not be financially well off start with that first dollar man it'll be liberating Awesome. Well, thank you, Cash, for your time. And say hi to your brother, Kerry. <laughs> that is Will awesome. Do. <laughs> All right, my friend. Uh, have a great one. I look forward to our next conversation. Excellent. Thank you, John, so much. Thanks for listening to Eternal Leadership. Be sure to check the summary of this MP3 for any important links and a link to the show notes for this episode. As I said at the top, this edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Marketplace Rock. Is there something that feels like it's blocking your business? The team at Marketplace Rock partners with you in unearthing those things that could be holding you back through intercessory prayer. John and I can't recommend the team highly enough. In fact, our phone calls with them are the highlight of our week. Visit them online, marketplacerock.com, or listen to either of Amy Everett's past interviews with us. Episodes 4 and 66, marketplacerock.com. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership.